You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. Not even close to anything right now. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't even got into that yet. Um, but you know what, I, our coaches are good. Like I, you know, like I said, I, you know, there's been a lot to be made about our special teams. They were, they were good in the regular season, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I think what Dean said, you have to give Dallas some credit on, on, on having a really good power play. Um, so that's where I am on that. So much to unpack. Judd's Hockey Show. Judd, executive producer Declan Goff, and then, of course, um, Jesse Pierce, who joins us weekly and joining us today to talk about so much that has gone on since the Wild bowed out in Game 6 on Friday in a rather lifeless performance that rightfully so got them booed off the ice at one point um you just heard a clip from a 36 minute press conference season ending that dean evison or and bill garen did that of course was garen uh yesterday and that question was from michael russo of the athletic in particular pertaining to have there been any decisions made on assistant coaches i don't think dean's job was asked about because dean was sitting right there Jesse Pierce, welcome aboard. A ton to unpack here. Um, let's just start here. What was your takeaway from uh, Bill Guerin is feisty. Like, he's just a feisty dude, which which is fun. Um, he gave an opening statement yesterday that I found interesting because he basically talked about the, the salary cap issues, what the Wild is up against, things that he ordinarily does not bring up. And he didn't apologize for it, but he definitely brought that up. And then the first question from Russo was something along the lines of, how do you get over the playoff hump? Which is an incredibly fair question. And Dean bristled about that and said, what do you want us to do? What's the hump are you talking about? Our goal is not the second round um, or, or build it. Uh, all sort of surprised me because it was sort of very ungarin like What was your takeaway from, from how the Wild is processing the end of another disappointing playoff run that was far too short i mean hilariously enough i actually walked in a smidge late to yesterday's press conference so i walk in to that exactly that i was like what have i missed like i was hoping that maybe there were fireworks but no i had walked in right at the right time yeah you're right judd it was odd because bill Guerin doesn't necessarily get that prickly about things and it is an absolutely fair question and kudos to russo for continuing to follow up on it saying Hey, you can't get to the Stanley Cup, though, if you don't get past this first round. Like, that needs to be step one. Uh, Step two is obviously second round and so on and so forth. And, yeah, the the way that Garen got defensive has you wondering, has you questioning. And, you know, I had followed up with a question asking, like, so are we lowering expectations then? Are are we lowering that? And I think that's fair. And, of course, Garen says, no, we want to make the playoffs, yada, yada. But at the same time, what do you want to do here? You're talking about building for the future. It's a lot of lip service going in different directions. I think what really bothered me about Garen's response yesterday was saying that it's a narrative created by the media that they can't get out of the first round. Like, 
it's not. It's everybody has seen it. We're witnessing this time and time again. And it's not something we're just making up. We don't want to talk about it anymore. I think there's a way to approach it. I think Marc-Andre Fleury said it best during the player exit interviews on Monday saying, no, we don't want to just, we need to stop talking about getting out of the first round. We need to stop worrying about it. Right. And I think Ryan Hartman also saying we need to follow up and do it. But Bill Guerin didn't give me a whole lot of confidence. And I'm wondering if his defensiveness is up because he's feeling that heat finally. It's going from 12 million to 14.7 or something like that for the cap hits on those buyouts, which again, he doesn't regret. And I don't think fans should regret either. I think it's worked out for the long term, but it is. It's handcuffed him maybe more than he believed. It's made his job maybe harder than he imagined. Um, and of course, he's a guy that's going to stand pat with his decisions as he should as a general manager. But yeah, his uh, his tone yesterday to kick things off certainly was a bit uh, harsher than we're used to. He did calm down after that and I think gave some fair answers. And even then he did. But it's interesting to uh, to see how he perceived the team to have quote unquote been a disappointment but not a failure. You know, Bill Guerin's a uh, friend of the show. He's come on Judd's hockey show before. He has called out Declan. He's even called out Judd. Uh he's called out both of us. Both of us are, are buffoonery takes or questions that we've had. He's not afraid to call us out. But yeah, I, I push back on the narrative of uh that's the media's narrative. We can't get out the first round. I mean Bill you've lost eight straight playoff series. Whether you've only been a part of half of those, which that's true it's been eight straight exits in the playoffs going back all, even to when you did make the second round. So there's no narrative. That's just a cold, hard statistic that's slapping the wild in the face right there. And if if he's trying to say, and I know he kind of alluded to this too, that you don't get the Stanley Cup for getting to the second round, which is true, and that is kind of what the, what wild fans have been asking for, just like Twins fans asking to win a playoff game. That's the that's the baseline of what we've been trying to get to here. So I get I get that. Uh, answer from Bill Guerin. I even sigh with them that yeah, you don't get the cup for making the second round. But at the same time, Bill, there's no there's no narrative being played there. I mean, this has been a legitimate problem, and now it's become kind of a laughing stock and just a fear of well, another wild season down the drain after making the playoffs again. I also felt too like Bill was because so the season came to an end in Game Six on Friday. Uh, the press conference was Tuesday, and Jesse, I feel like he was defensive defensively prepared like he clearly had given thought to this and you know at one point he said i want to credit the players because they they are also hamstrung by this cap which by the way they weren't at the at the deadline go back they had room because of how the cap works um and where i guess i disagree with bill but i think he's defensive because of this is you know uh brodeen and spurgeon and that entire group didn't have a bad playoff because of cap problems they had a bad playoff. Kaprizov and Boldy, they had a bad playoff because they had a bad playoff. And I understand trying to defend your team. I'm with you. One, I think he's feeling heat, rightfully so. Two, there is no way on God's green earth that he didn't watch Dean get schooled by Pete DeBoer and, and think, you know what? This is a reoccurring theme. Pete DeBoer, um, Baruby, Pete DeBoer again. So he looked to me like a guy who was defensive but also hadn't slept a, a lot. And, I mean, I wrote this. I think the Wild right now, and Bill in particular, Jess, is at a pivotal crossroads here. Like, the, it's decision time. And this whole thing of, well, we're, we're just going to try to win. Your question was spot on. And I think he knows that your question was right. And I think that bothers him because he wants to compete. But it might not be time to compete now. It might be time to accept your fate and build off of that, which, by the way, might end up being the best long play possible. 
Which I think the concerning part in that, I mean, and, and Bill Guerin answered my question with, it's not a rebuild, and he's reiterated that he's not doing a rebuild, and it hasn't been. The little pieces that he's moved here and there have not qualified as a rebuild. We're not going full Chicago on it, blowing everything up, certainly, and I don't think they need to. My concern is while you're playing the long game, you still have Kirill Kaprizov for only a limited amount of time, and you're not only wasting some of his prime years, you're having his eyes open saying, hey, I don't want to be here. If you're not going to be able to afford to give me some of the pieces that I need to succeed, that I need to win. And now granted that's not letting Kaprizov off the hook for being fairly absent throughout the playoffs. I think he was in the, he was one of the better players still, even if it didn't show on the score sheet, which of course you want Kirill Kaprizov to be scoring on the score sheet. But I think he still did some other things that I'm not completely on board, just bombing and dragging him down Matt Boldy, different situation. But yeah, I mean, while you're playing that long game, you still, it doesn't know, it doesn't seem that he has a true plan. I don't think, you know, Marco Rossi's not as far along as they wanted him to be. Kalen Addison hasn't farced out as much as they want. Brock Faber so far looks like he's going to be a very, very good defenseman in the National Hockey League for some time to come. So, I mean, that's panned out. Philip Gustafson's panned out. Um, but, you know, some of those other pieces that you wish and hope for. And that's always kind of my criticism in the National Hockey League is you're drafting these guys at 18 years old. It's not something that you can really know when they're going to be ready. It's very rare that you're going to be seeing 18, 19 year old ready to step into the NHL. Those that do it are absolutely another level of player. So while you're looking at playing for the cheap players and and building out your prospects, is it going to work? I don't know at this point. And again, you have two hard more years, two very hard years that you just have to get through, but that's two more years of Kirill's contract wasted as well. Mm -hmm. On Jesse's point too, on, on prospects, and this is something, uh, I've said to Judd numerous times because hockey, hockey and baseball are the same, you know, developmental leagues, if you will. Like there's prospects that you have to develop in your own minor league system. And, and some fans get in love with, with prospects. And typically, typically prospects never hit their truest ceiling. That doesn't mean that they can't be, you know, sustainable players. Ryan Hartman was a first round pick. Ryan Hartman never reached his full ceiling, but Ryan Hartman is a solid NHL player, right? That more than likely than not, those first round picks become Ryan Hartman. Now, certainly, Top overall draft picks have a much higher percentage of hitting that ceiling than someone that's in the mid-tier of the first round. But typically, when we're doing prospect hunting of, oh, well, they drafted this guy ninth overall, Marco Rossi, and he has a tier or he has a ceiling of being this guy and he's doing so well in Iowa and this is going to completely happen. It's not guaranteed. So now, is that the Wilds failing to develop them? Maybe. But sometimes I think fans get way too obsessed with the number one comp or the number one tier, or the number one ceiling for prospects. And then when that player doesn't hit their ceiling, that they think it's complete disappointment or that that player is not giving the 100% full opportunity to be the player that he is at the NHL level. So therefore, it's all management's fault. It's not always that way. And I think sometimes fans kind of get confused and lost in the sauce a little bit in that. Mm-hmm. That being said, as example A, Marco Rossi needs to play here next season and he can't have 15 games and dean's like you know all right he's not prepared to play yet who's a veteran off the jalopy heap i can you know i mean because that's what dean loves to do and dean loves guys who are dean um this is in 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 my opinion this is where we come to a very important part because and bill you know in garen's comments he talked about i'd love to speed this up by two years and be there but dude you're you are up against the cap I'm guessing from what what he said towards the end, Jess, that he's going to have to trade a veteran or two, like they're just to pay the just to pay the payroll. Um, but also, you're very much in a position where you're going to have to speed some guys 
development. And in Rossi's case, it ain't speeding. Like, we've got two years now of uh, not prepared yet. Marco Rossi, there is nothing left for him to do in Iowa. Like, he could go score 100 goals, and I don't give a crap. Um, so they are now at that critical juncture where, like, you need to you need to put Rossi top six and find out. He's going to be, what, 21? Mm-hmm. So he's getting he's getting old for an ascending prospect hockey player. Um, this whole Dean thing of you know no I'm going back to my guy Hartman or no that no dude that's that you tried it you tried it and you bowed out in six games two consecutive years it's go time now to find out what guys have and if you don't like that then you are not the right coach for my team my team needs to find out because to your point Jason this is the important thing the whole Kaprizov thing. You can't just keep recycling guys that, that, you know, Dean loves around Kirill. You've got to see if you can maximize players' talent. And in this case, it's a pretty damn good prospect pool. Yeah, exactly. And that's just it. The prospect pool has been touted as number one the past two years. I mean, it's been in the top three even longer. They just fired all of Iowa's coaching last week for failing to advance in the playoffs. So now you look at, okay, who are you going to bring in? to help create these players. I mean, there are some other ones outside of Marco Rossi obviously gets the most notoriety. I believe he is the highest, but they have other prospects that are good. There's also that other Russian coming in who hopefully decides to come over for the HL. I'm not sure if he's made his decision on what he's going to do next year, but he's another one that I think fans should be excited about that. You want to try to expedite as best you can to get to that NHL level. I love Bill Guerin's approach of developing properly. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that from youth hockey all the way up. You cannot speed up a player's development. It's a man's game. You need to be sure that they are ready. You also need to give them the opportunities to try and see what's there. Game sets would have been a fine opportunity. You felt their backs were up against the wall anyway. Why not see what Marco Rossi can bring? You've already seen Sam Steele was kind of met. I mean, nobody was playing good enough to say that they deserve to necessarily be out there tried and true. You had very few players that you couldn't mess with. Sunquist and Marco Rossi are there. Why not give them a go and see what could happen, right? Especially Sunquist, who is a veteran player who knows how to get through the playoffs. Um, and again, that goes back to the coaching decisions. Jed, you had mentioned that, you know, the question was tacked on. We laughed because the day before us, little media cohorts uh, chatted about how we wanted to approach the Bill Garandine Evson thing because it's very awkward to have your GM and your coach go at the same time when you want to talk about maybe mistakes that the coach made, right? Again, we all like Dean. Y'all, it's a respect thing. You don't want to like throw somebody under the bus and see their direct reaction. But um, I think it was meant to address the entire coaching staff. I think Garen took it more as the assistants, probably because Dean's sitting there, but also the more I'm learning kind of about how Bill Garen's thought process is, I think Dean is probably safe. Whether he should be or not, I have a sense that he's safe. The rest of the assistants might be cleaned out. Um, but again, that a coaching change would be a wholesale change that I think this team needs to change direction in general. You maybe need somebody else who's seen things differently, who's seen these players differently, who doesn't feel that Matt Zuccarello, Ryan Hartman, Kirill Kaprizov need to be on the same line no matter what. You know, it's those are the kind of things that I love to to kind of finish up here and let somebody else speak. I know you guys love hearing me speak, but, um, you know, but no, I think you look at the unrestricted free agents and then you look at some of the longtime veterans. A lot of them have no move clauses, which is going to make things a little bit difficult. You can certainly ask the player to do that, but that's where it scratches my head. Like, well, who do you move? I mean, there are players that I think should be moved and I will save that for toward our end here, but 
a lot of them have those no moves. So then that becomes a, a sticky situation. But you will, I think Garen will be active this summer in making something work because he has to. Right now, he doesn't have the money to even have recalls from Iowa heading into next year. And he looked depressed about that. Uh, yeah. In, in fact, let's transition next uh, to Dean and also what, what you just talked about with players possibly being moved. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about my friends and Jesse's too at Livia Weight Control Centers who have done right by us. More than a year ago now, I joined, dropped 40 pounds. But the most important thing is sustainable weight loss because you know what? We've all done the fad diet. Guess what? We gain that weight back. But in this case, their dietitians and nutritionists are fantastic. And Jesse, um, first three months right now are free. Tell the people what what you have learned in your ongoing process with the fine folks from Livia. I am absolutely loving it. I'll admit, first week was hard. It sucked. I love my bread. I love my beer. Oh, no. The carbs, you guys. But so far, now over four weeks in, it's been phenomenal. I don't even really miss it that much. The food is so good. They have this PBJ bar jar. Uh, PBJ bar jar. Oh, their bars, are, their bars are great. Oh, I love so the bars. so freaking good. Yes. And then they've got these little energy packets as well that I'm constantly having on the go. It's been tremendous. And just the support that they offer too. even if you have a bad week, a bad day, what have you, it happens. We're human, but I love the support that they give. And then I'm loving stepping on the scale each and every week and seeing that number go little by little down. It's been sustainable. Couldn't be uh, more proud of what they offer. Beautiful. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Check it out for yourself. Again, the first three months are are free. All right. First question, we'll start with Dex. Um, Dex knows my views here, but I'm done with Dean. Like, as far as a playoff coach goes, I'm just done. I've seen enough. The the lack of success um, with the Predators AHL affiliate, four series losses, first round, one and 12. The lack of... of success here uh Declan do you at the end of the day agree are you are you as done as I am with Dean especially if this is perceived to be a playoff team uh I'm done in that in that vein in the vacuum of it yeah I I don't believe they'll move on from him um I don't think Craig and ownership wants to continue to pay people not to be employed by them as much anymore especially with these buyouts going up again a little bit for Imprezi and Suter uh, yeah, I can't take it seriously. Now that it's three years in a row of basically the same thing, same adjustments uh, that have not been made, yeah, I, I think this team needs to be led by someone else at this point. And, you know, I think Garen gave Evison the benefit of the doubt. Um, he removed the interim label in the, during the pandemic and said, you know, this guy's going to be our head coach. We're not even going to do really a full search or not. And at the time, it actually worked out really well. They've been a great regular season team. But now we've seen basically three examples in the playoffs where Dean has been completely outcoached twice by Peter DeBoer um, that they have to probably make a change to be taken a little bit more seriously in the playoffs. And you only get so many cracks at it. You know, I mean, I, I made the comparison of the San Jose Sharks before where guys like Todd McClellan or Peter DeBoer had really good hockey teams in the regular season, but sometimes couldn't get it done or couldn't get deep enough in the playoffs. Um, and I think the Wild are probably going to be better served looking, uh, looking for a better coach to kind of make those proper adjustments come playoff time. I mean, I think the thought process there with having Dean seemed great because he was this American Hockey League coach developing players, had been there with a lot of the guys that are mm -hmm. now on the team. And for whatever reason, that style didn't transcend. Now all of a sudden he's, I'm in the NHL and we're going to play the guys that I really like. I think that's what bothers me the most. It's the same thing that bothers you, Judd and Dex. I mean, 
it's the lack of willingness to change and do something different. I mean, even heading into training camp, you last maybe a week or two of a different look, and then it goes right back to what it was last year, which I joke, yes, it makes my Lions job much, much easier when I know, but you need to be willing to try something new. I mean, you need to be willing to be fluid and adjust when things aren't working and Surprise, surprise, Dean, things did not work. Again, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares about your regular season. Ask the Boston Bruins. Nobody cares about how good you do there. It matters what happens at the end of April, and Dean just hasn't been able to get the job done. It does make me wonder how active Bill Guerin will be in this offseason if he is moving some of those veteran pieces. That will force Dean to be more, you know, fluid in what he's doing, more willing to change. He's going to have to. I mean, I was excited. This is going to sound terrible. When they when we uh, speculated Matt Zuccarello would be out for game six, I was like, yes, that means he's got to do some new lines. He's got to change right. things up. And, and while he tweaked things, they were very minor. I mean, at the end of the day, that could be what's best is if you can't move on from Dean, move on from some of the players that he's so married to and see what happens. Eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Tailored to your schedule, customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little you need. You can pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Factor is your solution for fast, premium meals without the need for cooking. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up those springtime goals. Head to Factormeals.com slash Judd50 and use code Judd50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code Judd50 at Factormeals.com. And that shouldn't have to be the thing, though. Like, that's what's frustrating about it. Like, you shouldn't have to tell him. It shouldn't be surprising, and I think it was to all three of us and wild fans that Brock Faber actually played like in an ordinary circumstance. It's like, of course he played. He's a good player. But I was like, Oh my God, they're playing him. This is fantastic. I thought they might, but I wasn't sure. Um, And so that's, that's problem one. Problem two is the playoff problem, which is just a lack of adjustments. Um, And I'm sure that Bill was involved in this, but the, the still baffling decision to start flurry two days after Gus made 51 saves um, every, you know, special teams, they just, and I don't care that you were good on special teams in the regular season. All those adjustments were made because the blues did you last year. And, the, you know, and yes, the stars have a good power play, but this is the playoffs, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I'm watching the crack and my crack and now play the stars last night, doing all the things the wild didn't do. Um, and you know, and they Bill, did it with Joe Pavelski in the yeah, lineup, scoring four goals. Four like, goals. My goodness. And yesterday, Bill Bill basically said, and he's not wrong, but it's eye-opening, you know, that Matt Boldy doesn't know how to play in the playoffs yet. He essentially said, you know, what he does in the regular season don't work. And, yeah, we've all known that. But, I mean, these are just, to me, all red flags, all problems with coaching. Um, the lack of adjustments drove me crazy. Jess, to your point, the – line juggling he did like he flipped what zuccarello he flipped for for a brief time he flipped jojo and zuccarello and that was it so yeah i've just seen enough and if he's going to come back and i think that both you and dex are right he will uh but he has to be willing it can't be sam Steele is going to play you know i love sam Steele. he works hard every day at practice okay dude that's not going to win you stanley cup so it's just to me i'm just at a breaking point 
and I see the same mistakes over and over and over. And I don't even know who the right coach is, but you know, how maddening you guys are the playoffs to watch right now. They're fantastic. They're wide open. Like as far as we don't know who's gonna win, Florida, Florida beats Boston. Um, and yet the wild, like like Phil said, and he's right, the only predictable thing about the National Hockey League playoffs is the wild. They're I mean, predictably yeah. out. Yeah. Toronto really works, Yeah, like Gus Nyquist said that too. He's like, that's where it's most disappointing. You look at what how wide open. And again, even if Colorado still were still in it, I think what Seattle showed and what Florida showed in particular is that with hard work and with a little bit of grit and passion all combined into one, you can move on in the series. It doesn't matter who you play. And that's where the players, I asked a few of them and, and they obviously disagreed with me as they should, but I asked, you know, mentally, did you guys feel like you were completely checked in? Because that's what I thought the difference was. I think Dallas, yes, very good. Yes, better, more elite players probably and a better coach. But they seemed dialed in each and every night, whereas Minnesota didn't. I mean, there is zero excuse or zero reason to let one goal that is scored early on in the first period of an elimination game to completely deflate you and to have you come out with nothing else at all until maybe the third period. Like it was that. And those were things that you saw during the regular season at times too, where it's like, oh, we're just going to sit back. It's fine. We'll figure it out. Like, I don't know if that goat stems from last year and all the come from behind victories that they had, yada, yada. If they relied on goaltending too much, I don't know. But it just felt like there was a lack of will and drive. And and as much as the players can tell me there wasn't, I still, then what was wrong? Because you do have the skill and the ability to be better than how they performed. Go ahead, Doug. Yeah, and I think with the trade deadline acquisitions that they made and the and those tweaks that they made to their roster um, at the deadline, which all kind of took us by surprise, there was, you know, a, a, not an embarrassment of riches, but there was problems with us trying to figure, well, where do these guys fit in? Where does Nyquist fit in? Where does uh, Boldy fit in with, with Johansson and whatnot? So we were trying to figure out and piecemeal this roster together, and uh, throughout the course of the playoffs, I thought Matt Zuccarello was the worst player on on the ice for the Wild. I know he had a big game three and, and scored a big time goal to get things going, and that led to a win. But I thought he was terrible. And and the fact that you didn't move up Nyquist to play with Kaprizov, who obviously was mostly on a wanted poster the entire series, that's where it just it, it's frustrating because there was examples I thought, and we can all play armchair GMs where you have Wild fans, you have media members, you have podcast hosts basically yelling at their TV to tell Dean what to do here, and he's just kind of going with the shrug emoji of, well, we tried. And it's like, no, you didn't try at all. You, we, there, There's easy suggestions to make, and you didn't make them, and that's what was so frustrating. You, you just play the style of Minnesota Wild plays. You, the, yes. the style the Minnesota Wild <laughs> plays this way. Anybody can play with anybody in a Wild jerk. Yep, right? Yeah. No, Dean, 97, 12, you need more. Last thing, start with uh, Jess on this one. Who do you think is gone? Like D, like Bill, I don't think he's joking. I think you know to pay, again to pay the out to to get enough players to play within the cap. Um, Dumbo will be will be allowed to leave, obviously, which I'm fine with. But who do you think is gone? Who's going to at least surprise some? Or I multiple? Mean, I don't know. It, yeah, it's a great question. Again, I haven't even looked at who has what in their contracts. I do I'm think, unfortunately, right yep. all of the UFAs that were signed uh, will probably walk. I don't think you can afford Nyquist. You don't need to bring back Klingberg. Ryan Reeves, you might possibly bring back. If you bring mm-hmm. back Ryan Reeves, yep. people are going to hate me. I'm going <laughs> to say it. Marcus Foligno is out. Yeah. Um. Again, I think he might have oh. a no move, I but 
he, I just, I, A, you don't need two of those types of players. And Marcus is probably a little bit more money. Um, I, I don't like saying it, people. I love Marcus Foligno. I love what he does in the locker room. I love what he does for the, the state, yada, yada. Yes, this is true. But it's a numbers game at this point. So that would be one. Um, I know people have floated a, the idea of Jared Spurgeon, myself included. I, again, his contract is pricey. He's got his no move set in yeah. place. I think yes. if anything, you strip him of the C and try something new in that perspective. But um, those two names, I think, float near the top for me. And again, it's just because it's a numbers situation. And those positions are very replaceable at cheaper areas. I mean, those are ones that you could. Freddie Goudreau, I'd say too, but we know that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> oh, so. no, no, yeah, no. I know. Oh, are you going to get a death stare from the coach next time you see <laughs> That's him? That's right. It That's basically his son. His adopted son. My God. Declan? Uh, yeah, I, I, Felino is the one that really stuck out to me, too. Um, he's a great character guy, but I don't know if they can continue to pay a guy 30, who's 31 years of age to the, to the point of, of no offensive production. And he was kind of playing out of his skis a little bit from a goal-scoring perspective two seasons ago and last season. Um, he might be the one that that's trimmed and that might be the first message of, Oh, no, no one's really safe in this locker room and we have to make some type of adjustments. And I think Felino's probably one that, that it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, could you, could you let go of Felino and bring back Sunquist, you know, for, for the same price, if not cheaper, like I wouldn't be surprised if that's a possibility. So I think a guy like Felino, unfortunately is probably the easiest one to get rid of because there's just nothing on the contract that says you can't. Uh, so that's where I would probably go. I probably think Marcus Felino's played his last game with the Wild. And according to Cat uh, Friendly, Marcus Felino has no protection on trades. There you go. So he would be a simple one to trade as far as that, that goes. You're you're right, Jesse. Um, Spurgeon and a bunch of the defensemen have protection. And Spurgeon's got a full no-move clause. So that that would be tough. I would trade him well before Brodeen, though. And Brodeen oh, yeah. had a bad playoff too, but I would keep him. Um, and and if I'm not mistaken, they do have a potential plethora of defensive talent coming up the pipeline. Mm-hmm. So Damian Giroux is a fantastic defenseman that's been down in Iowa. That's seen a little bit here and there. That I think he's one that's certainly touted to try to make a push for a spot come out of camp next year. He's cheap as well. I wonder what you can get for Hartman. Um, he's got. Two years left. It's very, very cheap. 1.7 mil per season. He has no protection, too. And he's a guy I would love to strip the coach from because he likes him too much. Like, Ryan Hartman is not a first-line center. He's just not. He is a nice player. He works his butt off. He is a competitor. Um, He would be great on a Stanley Cup contender, like as a third-line guy on the wing or potentially, I guess, at center. But um, I'm I'm with you. I'd sort of like to I'd like to eliminate some of Dean's guys so that they're just gone, right. and he has to play. He's forced to actually go back to his um, roots when when he was coaching in the Predators system, where he's forced to develop people. Because you're right, it feels like his whole default is well, if I can go, you know, if I can get my guy back here, I'm gonna, you know, you know, Sam Steele. Why yeah. was you're you're right about that? Why was Sam Steele playing? Because he plays hard. 
Yeah. Not hard Again, enough to help you win. At the beginning, he earned that right, right? Toward the end of the regular season when he stepped in, he did. He he played fine. He's had a very up and down season. He's a young guy, gave him a shot, but there's no reason you can't again, you can't be stuck on it. Nobody's super gluing you to any of these players or any of these people. Like I, like I think I can't help but think of the money ball line where he's like, You can't play Giambi tonight. Giambi's gone. I could do this all day. Like, yep. I mean, You're get right. rid of him and like <laughs> You yes. can't play them. Then if that's what you have to do and art, how you're right. That's just, a great comp, right? Like it's, that's all like, I can think about. Yeah. Sorry, Dean. I just traded your roster, man. <laughs> that's not right. Yeah, it is right. All right. Final thing. Uh, start with Jesse, then Dex. Is this season a failure? Cause Bill was very, very defensive about that. Is the season a failure? The only reason I say no, and it's not because Giannis had such a, metaphorical way of announcing a season as a failure, which I do love in the grand scheme. Um, It's not because I think they exceeded expectations and crazy enough as it is. I really didn't think that they would get into the playoffs as cleanly as they did. I didn't expect as much from them because to me, they lost bigger names, bigger scorers last year from this year. You know what I mean? So it was a different squad. So no, it's not a failure because I just didn't think they were never built for a deep run anyway so i hate to say that my bar was low to begin with but it was it's minnesota team so to me not a failure sucks disappointing yes but here we are again failure yeah it's a failure it's a it's it's a big time failure um you know they, they ran things back last year and said you know the depth remember the depth which i also mocked of of like oh you're so deep well where where the hell is your talent depth is great Okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's you and a lot Hanson of Carter. There's a lot of prospects. There's a lot of options out there. But is there any top end guys you're gonna be able to rely upon to do this? And look, I thought the Wild was did a successful trades and at the deadline, I thought the Ryan Reeves trade was solid, and there was certainly successful moments where you found out that Philip Gustafson someone to be relied upon. Uh, but you had a chance, a good chance, in my opinion, to beat the Stars. You went up two to one. It wasn't like the Stars were this big juggernaut and you lucked your way into two wins. For the second straight year, you had a chance to put a team away and you didn't. And you fell flat on your face. You lose three straight games. You get embarrassed at home. 100% failure in capital letters stapled and stamped on your forehead, dude. Failure. Flying through the sky like on, on yes. the back of a plane. State of failures. Mm. That is that is bit, That might be oh, the new model right sports. there. Oh, sad. I'm with Declan because of this. It's a failure because Bill Guerin went for it at the deadline to at least win a round. So, so, like, if he hadn't made those trades, because, I mean, that was a borderline. There, there was one point where I'm like, stick a fork in this team. They weren't playing well. Um, it just Comes wasn't about January work. every year. Yeah, I think, right? exact, yeah. exactly. <laughs> they, they hit the lull. We were told we're still the wild. You don't understand. But then, you know, when, when you trade for Johansson and Nyquist, Klingberg, and that list of guys, Sunquist, who should have played more, um, that was definitely a, we're going for it. Like, like we're going to try to win. And, and you watch the playoffs and teams are winning rounds. Um, I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed. And I do think that it's a failure. Um, and because of that now, I, I would tell Bill, don't get cute again, man. Don't try and sign anybody beyond your own guys at the deadline next year. I don't care how much cap space we have. You got to suck it up and play these guys. Um, because I'm done with, I'm done with providing Dean the ammunition to go for it, to see him in the spring handle every game, like January the 5th Mm -hmm. failure, new coach time. 
How's that for? I'm, I'm not happy. I'm. Very I hope they angry. put that in the next wild video for a soundbite. Yeah, I, I I might be out with the sound bites, and I, you know what? I apologize, but someday, kids, kids in St. Paul, you'll realize Sports Dad was right. Okay, so when you're celebrating a Stanley Cup championship, you can play this damn soundbite right. then, because Bill Guerin will say, you know what? Ultimately, Judd was right. That's that's how it's going to end. End way to end an episode end of story jesse thanks much we'll t- talk to you soon i'm sure because we'll have stuff uh going on but uh that's a way that's a good way to put a uh, a lid on a season that was a failure to some of us but i mean that's fine declan take us home hit the subscribe button for daily minnesota sports entertainment right here on score north this is judd's hockey show head on over to purple daily for daily vikings entertainment as well and pass shoot score